Bloody Broads pod. We're your Bloody Broads. I'm Bhavna Sharma. And I'm Jamie Howard. We are your horror guides from page to screen and everything in between. And this week we're covering the classic Goosebumps One Day in Horrorland. Yes, uh, as you guys probably noticed, we covered uh, it came from beneath the sink last week. So we've got a bit of a Goosebumps back to school thing going on, which we will continue next episode. Uh, but today we're covering Jamie's favorite, which is One Day in Horrorland, as she just said. And Jamie, can you tell us why this one's your favorite? So uh, I know your reasons for it came from beneath the sink last week were a little bit more soft, touchy-feely, nice. Um, I am pretty sure looking back at what was my favorite media as a child, no wonder my parents were like, yo, should we take her to therapy? Um, so... <laughs> For anyone who hasn't read this book, it's basically Saw Jr., which is hilarious considering that, like, Saw is not my favorite horror movie by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but it's it's a little bit of Saw, a little bit of Hostel, two movies that I do not enjoy. Um, and also, it's the most scary, dare I say, Goosebumps. It is because, like, I feel like the sense of dread that he instills in this is, like, like he turned it way up to the max. But also, I felt like, this is a controversial hot take, please don't kill me because I know it's your favorite, but I feel like he could have cut it down by a few chapters. Oh, correct. Or by a few rides, I should say. Well, exactly. Like, we could have had each ride be, like, half a chapter apiece because, let's be real, the Slide of Doom did not need its own whole chapter. <laughs> no. Oh, we're, we're, we're going. We're going to slide forever. Well, three pages, because I counted, three pages of this book, at least on the Kindle edition, are yeah. just the slide. Describing, yeah. like, going down and then going through the fire. Yep. And it's like, oh, I'm going to burn alive. I'm going to burn alive. Oh, wait. No, I'm not. <laughs> Which, if you've ever been on the Mummy ride in Universal Studios, a.k.a. The best ride besides yes. Hagrid's motorbike adventure. Yeah. Um, it is exactly like that. I'm like, oh, I can feel the flames. I can see the scary stuff. Now I really just want to go back to Universal. Um. <laughs> I mean, I'm down because I loved the mummy ride. I rode it Road twice trip. in a row because we went, we, by the way we navigated the park, we got there towards the end. So. Same. So we were like, no one was around, and uh, we we went on that one. And it's, okay, so, okay, we're going on a universal tangent, guys. But do Correct. you remember, there's a ride near the Mummy ride. Um, and for any of you Universal Park aficionados, you might know this as well. But there's, like, it's a ride where you can choose your own music in the The Rock and Roller Coaster. Yeah, yeah. it's the, correct. I am obsessed with that ride. I was there in January 2020 the last time, um, which is hilarious looking back. And I think I chose, I can't remember what I chose, but it was definitely like a Black Eyed Peas song or something like ridiculous <laughs> because at that point in the day, I was a little like slap happy. Yeah. Um, I have not, that was the first time I had been to Universal since I was like a, a single digits age child. Yeah. So I was definitely uh, fully enjoying myself, which if someone wants to open a horror land minus some of the risk, I feel like. Bob and I would be 100% down to be your first customers, rep it, sponsor us, whatever. Train your horrors. Like, <laughs> how to train I, your horrors. How to train your horrors. Horrors. <laughs> <laughs> Not your horrors. Not that kind of park, Jamie. I'm sorry. It's my accent. It's my accent. 
It's okay. For me, it's my lisp. So I have to enunciate to make sure I'm not talking about filth. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, guys. No, but uh, why I asked about that ride was because when I went with uh, my family, the only time we went, so I went to <laughs> Universal in my 30s. Woo! Um <laughs> My uh, my brother, who edits this pod, who hopefully will skip over this section while he's editing. Um, Ahmed's going to hear this and be like, damn it, Bhavna. <laughs> yes. So he he had like he had like a breakout that day. Oh. And when and so he went on the ride and he came off and like he was like, woo, I had the best time. And I'm looking at him like we need napkins because his face was so bloody. Oh, because listen, that fire that goes up. And the mummy ride gets so close to your face. I know they've turned it down since then. I no, know he was, they his have. was on the rock and ride. Oh, oh, because it's so his, fast. Like, yeah, it's so fast. And it's like, I guess his head kept hitting the side. Oh, my God. Bless his heart. Yeah, I know. I, listen, if you have ever been to Six Flags over Georgia here in Atlanta, we had a ride that just got retired recently in the last, like, five years called the Ninja and they literally had to retire it because it would beat the shit out of people when you wrote oh it. That's um, like a, that's like the Top Gun ride here. Well, it used to be called Top Gun when it was Paramount Canada's Wonderland, but now it's called Flight Deck or something stupid oh, like that. What? Because it's In supposed the to like good value name brand. Well, because Paramount used to own that theme park, so it was right. like so all the rides were like Italian Job or wait, like, I would love an Italian Job ride. It's now called like Stunt Backlot something oh or other God. but like there was the tomb raider there was uh top gun like i said there was there were a few other ones that were like that we had hannah barbera land and like <gasps> yeah okay so clearly we need to do a whole separate podcast episode about <laughs> theme parks um yes. because there's also disney's haunted mansion all that good stuff like so that yes clearly for- we love theme parks clearly this book was made for me clearly um but like we were saying, we could have cut it down by several rides, I feel. Well, again, I wanted to hear all about the rides, but I just didn't need each ride to be its own chapter. And I also have to remember this book was written for 8 to 12-year-olds. So <laughs> my critique is not as harsh as it would be for an adult's book. That's true. Like, it, uh, uh like... And I guess he needed to add in some filler because if you look at the plot for this film in the first place, or not film, wow, um, this book, which ended up being I wish it was two, a movie. I wish, but they ended up making it two episodes, did they not, Jamie? On the show, I believe? I genuinely don't remember because I don't think this was ever an episode that I saw growing up. Oh, I did. And it was yeah. not how I imagined it at all. Like, I know they're there during the middle of the day, but I, in my head, I just always imagine it, like, either super overcast or, like, almost at night, like, that twilight hour. The only reason I didn't is because they go at length to describe how hot it is. And, like, again, growing up as someone who went to Six Flags every summer, relatable. (laughs) Yeah. No, 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 I get it. But it was still, like, I just pictured it, I just pictured it being just, like, super hot at night because, like, those nights do happen, as everybody in the world knows right now, as we're all going through a heat wave. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I meant to say is, like, I um, I thought that, like, they took slightly too long to, like, go and fish out their parents or try and even, like, look for their parents. Which I know is right? a little kid thing, but, like, I lost count how many rides they went on at first. But, like, if I was Lizzie, Lizzie's the eldest, I eldest, think. right. Eldest and a girl, um, which... Damn, Arlstein. Like, you have a did you do you have an old do you have an older sister? Like those older daughters. Shocker yeah. that 
our favorite books are both featuring eldest daughters. <laughs> right? So it's like, okay. And uh, like, she's going like, no, no, no. After the first ride, she pulls a whole Jordan Peele and goes, nope. Um, like, <laughs> get us the fuck out of here. Not that she doesn't like being scared, but more like this is fishy. And yeah. obviously the little brother and his friend are being like, <laughs> no, you're just being a scared cat. They just sounded <laughs> like the worst. I... Again, I grew up with younger cousins. I had an older brother, but I'm the only girl in my whole family. So I had lots of younger male relatives. They just sounded like some of my younger cousins. And I was like, God, I'm getting annoyed all over again reading this. <laughs> that's that's it. It's like, no, no, no. You're just being a scaredy cat. Let me, let's go on this ride. Honestly, by the time they got to the Hall of Mirrors, I was like, girl, no. I would have just dragged him. I would have just picked him up, thrown him over my shoulder. Because at that point, I think the friend didn't even want to go. Carl, I believe his name is. He oh, didn't even want to go. There's Luke and there's... Uh, is it Carl? No, Carlo's from um, the last book. Ah, uh, this guy. We will find out in just a moment for you. <laughs> we're going to give it a googs. We're going to give it just a little bit of a, a, little bit of a, a Google. Um, but I think it's Clay. Clay, that's it. Clay, Carl, whatever. <laughs> They're all the same to us, you guys. <laughs> They're all the same. It's a, it's a generic little white boy. Exactly. <laughs> but one thing I did like about this book, and what I like about R.L. Stein in particular, though, I do have to say, is that he does, he's really well with foreshadowing. Um, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Then in this case, in the beginning, as this family and Clay, not Carl, is driving <laughs> towards the the theme park that they're or wherever they're supposed to go. He um, Luke has this this game that he plays, which is called like the Mad Pincher, where he'll just go and like pinch the shit out yes. of whoever's next to him, and um, they make a point to point that out. So I remember not as a kid, but more so like going back into this. I'm like, this comes into play later because when I say it's been decades since I've read this book, it's been decades. Um, but that comes in later at the end where they actually, uh, spoiler alert for this, like, almost 30-year-old book. <laughs> Never felt older in my life. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but the pinching comes in handy because you're not supposed, the pinching is the um, the monster's kryptonite. Yeah, it's like the denouement. Yeah. And they're like, no pinching. It's like, I can pinch. <laughs> Well, and you know what? I, listening to you talk about this reminds me another reason why I love this book so much. So just to get nostalgic for a second, one of my very favorite memories from growing up is the fall carnival that my elementary school had. Um, so it was like my next to last or my very last year in public school. I think very last year. Yeah. And I was in third grade and we had this Halloween festival. And I was raised very religious. For those of you who have been listeners, you know this. So my parents were super reluctant to let me do anything Halloween-themed, which jokes on them. As we all know, I'm currently Halloween-obsessed. Um, but one of my favorite memories is them dropping me off at something kind of similar. Like, it was a Halloween festival that had, you know, like, county fair-style rides. It was just all behind my elementary school in this huge field because I grew up in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember being so happy. Like I bobbed for apples and I did this like ha this like Halloween maze that they built through the hallways of the school that was looking back, I'm pretty sure it was just like cardboard boxes and like cheap kind of shitty Halloween decorations. 
But when you're nine years old, like that's the epitome, you know, like that's, I was so happy. And I got one of those Lisa Frank uh, pencils with the little eraser on the top that had like the pumpkin. Yeah. The jack-o'-lantern. If I, listen, if I could go back in time and like bottle that day, I absolutely would because the feeling was so top tier of like being let loose on this carnival where there was like candy and trick-or-treat stations and like, uh, you know, carnival games and carnival rides. And my friends were there and my parents weren't around. And again, I was only nine years old. So I was like, that's the age where you're like, just cool enough to like try to do stuff without your parents. But like, you're still young enough to like need adult supervision. Yeah. And that's what this book reminded me of. Like the level of nostalgia is so real that I'm sad that I didn't order a physical copy of this. I just have it on Kindle, like all my other – like I have all the Stephen Kings, all the Goosebumps, um, all the Joe yeah. Hills, like all on, you know, Kindle. Um, and so it's just really funny to me, like the sense memory. And I think some of that relates to being an actor, like being able to call recall memories like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like – it was just the happiest time. Like I just remember being so stoked. And and Lizzie just reminds me so much of myself because she's described like with dark hair and like the oldest, the only girl. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I feel it in my bones. Yes. And you know, this book as a kid did scare me mostly because of the opening because within the first 10 pages, yes. we blow up their car. <laughs> yeah. They basically like get to the theme park. They leave the car and then it goes kaboom and the dad's just like that's not cool (laughs) well the parents are like kind of panicked about it and the kids are kind of stoked (laughs) yeah the kids are like that's awesome they're like look at the fire well then they're like oh there's got to be a phone the ticket booth which again this is set in the 90s so no No cell cell phones conveniently yeah i would love to see this as a feature film only because i think someone could stretch these 35 ish to 40 pages into a 60 minute film Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, their car explodes, they get to the k- ticket booth and the mom who is so clearly like a leave it to beaver type again, same as oh, the last yeah. book. Yeah. She's like, well, we should just stay for a little while because we drove all this way. Girl, what? <laughs> Girl, no, that's the, you stay firmly in the parking lot until your cab shows up. <laughs> like, well, or triple A or something. Right. Like, I still probably would have let my kids roam around, but I would have immediately been like, hey, I need to call the authorities. Like, something just happened with my car. Yeah, no kidding. Like, I would definitely be like, oh, um, something like we're not just going to have fun here. Like, yeah, kids, you can go off, run off and have fun, but not while there's a, uh, a car exploded right behind us, like our car with all of our stuff in it, mind you. Like, right. why, and again, like, I understand, like, letting go of material objects, but come on, my guy. <laughs> well, and again, you and I have talked about this before, but, like, these books are written for children, yeah. actual factual children. So we're looking yes. at them through an adult lens. So I'm trying to curb my critique a little bit, but this is literally Saw Jr., like I said at the beginning. Um, they go through seven rides, five rides, something like that. Um, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and at no point am I like, wow, this is definitely something I would have thought of for children's literature. 
No, same. And the thing that got me is like what I said from the beginning too, is that like they go on like seven or five rides through like these death, near death escaping scenarios where like in each one they thought they were going to die and not in like your normal theme park way. I believe Lizzie no. points that out at some point, wait, some way as well, but like not like in that, um, in that like, no shit, I'm actually going to fucking die. This, this, there's no way physically that this ride will stop in time for me to get off or like something or blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, it stopped or something like that. And then like that gives them that false sense of security of like, look, that's what the park does. You feel like you're going to die, but you're not going to die. It's fine. Like that's the theme. And I'm like, shut up, little kid. What the fuck Which like know? what child <laughs> is like, yeah, I'm good with this. Do you know what I mean? Like I bratty like a, little boys, apparently. Right. Apparently, even as a very jaded 10 year old, nine, 10 year old, would I never be like, mm, this sounds good. Mm, um, great. And also <laughs> this book does a really good job of kind of building on the emotions of the last book we covered. It came from underneath the sink because she, not only is she the eldest daughter and all the baggage that comes with this, but right off the bat, which I wish I would have mentioned this earlier, but she is managing parents' emotions, which is a running theme of Goosebumps. It is. And like that brings us back to the, what was the term that you introduced to the pod? The parentification? or Parentification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's doing that because there's like there's a specific line. And this is the only line from the entire book, except for the last line that stuck with me, was the parents are having a fight in the car. Like they're arguing over like, you should have packed the map. No, you should have like not left it on the counter. Like, why is packing my job? Well, that kind of fight. And she goes like, you know, hey, guys, enough. Stop it. And then like the aside line or the internal whatever line was just like. Uh, they you have to stop them early because once they start fighting like that, they're never going to stop. So you have to stop it early. Otherwise, they're going to go on forever. And I'm like, or something along that line. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I was like, wow, this child knows how to better handle conflict than most adults I know. Like. No, for real. Like, um, uh, I was just like, where did you like the she, you know, she's going to grow up into being an adult and being like, let's shut this shit right down. Like right, right now. Like I'm going to need you to listen. <laughs> I think Lizzie either grew up to be like a project manager or a therapist or some kind of like high level. Do you know what I mean? Because something that requires a lot of emotional IQ and that is a recurring theme with so many of R.L. Stein's books. So I'm just kind of like, you know, I don't know if he has daughters, but I'm just like, are y'all good? Are you okay? <laughs> Are you okay, Mr. Stein? Are you all right? Like, did you, what did you have to do for your parents? Like, or. <laughs> Listen, he probably grew up in the 40s and 50s, given that, you know, again, he was a full grown adult in the 90s when he wrote these. So there's no telling. Um, but I have so many thoughts on the rides. And when we come back from the commercial break, I do want to hear your thoughts on each ride and which one you would or would not do. You got this. Stay tuned for those and some more free thoughts after this commercial break. All right. Welcome back, guys. So we were discussing what rides, A, were the scariest, B, that we thought we could survive. And I'm going to be 100% with you guys. Um, I could probably survive the slide. I feel like the maze and the coffin would give me severe anxiety attacks, given that I am, you know, diagnosed with capital A anxiety. <laughs> Um, good choices. I feel like I would survive the slide as well because it's just a slide. So like, as long as there wasn't a brick wall right at the end, right, I'd be fine. 
I'd have a few bruises. I'd be cut up a little bit, but I'd be fine. The one that I would not survive, and because I also have capital A anxiety, is the hall. It's the hall of mirrors or the room of mirrors that they went into. Because I already have like a what was that? What was that? What was that? Kind of yeah. like thing in those kind of close like um, closed places. I don't do well in like enclosed spaces. Like I went um, the last time I went to Paris, which was twenty eighteen. We, uh, I went for my friend's 30th and we climbed the, uh, Lac de Triomphe. And Mm -mm. if anyone's ever been in there, it's just a circular stone, uneven staircase. Nope. Nope. And there's no windows. Like, or if there are, they're like those little medieval little slits or like something in there. And you can't see where you're going and whatnot. And I was just about halfway through. I was like, I can't fucking do it. I can't fucking do it. Like, I'm not fucking doing it. And so when it comes to shit like that, like really enclosed, like you don't know which way is what kind of places, I would just probably just sit down, melt down and be like, just take me now. Well, I don't know about you, but like I get super bad vertigo when I panic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would just sit down too. I'd be like, well, I guess this is it. <laughs> that's you when know? like my anxiety would manifest as like that stupor, soup, not stupor. Well, it, would, it is kind it of is a stupor. Yeah. It is a stupor, but it's that super calm like on the outside like the acceptance well, this is it this is it i have no control listen this is it. between that and then like the on the coffin cruise i was like oh that sounds pretty relaxing actually because it sounds like the buddhist concept of like meditating on your own death not when you're treated like ryan reynolds and buried right <laughs> oh my god um when they slam shut the coffin doors i was like immediately no because again so buddhist monks uh meditate on their own body decaying as part of their visualizing their own death and a lot of buddhist practice does this and i love it i'm like yes it's perfect like everything is vanity like the you know book of the bible says but it's so funny to me that like this isn't a children's book. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because I feel like if my parents knew what was actually in this book, they'd have been like, yeah, nah. <laughs> Same. And it's funny that my mom never caught on to the books that I was reading that w- that was like that. Like, so the Goosebumps, Christopher Pike, the, right. the Poe I was reading in like grade five, <laughs> which well, explains my entire personality. I was going to say, I feel like my parents knew – because I didn't read Christopher Pike until high school and I was like sneaking at home, but they definitely were weirded out by my obsession with Goosebumps because we would like wait until my parents like left the room if they were at home or if we were at my grandma's house and we would like try to sneak on Goosebumps on Nickelodeon. Um, nice. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I just, I feel like uh, today these parents would be charged with negligence immediately. Child immediately. endangerment. Immediately. Like CPS would have shown up immediately with, especially with the child de-escalating their fights in the car. Like tell like you don't have to tell me what else is going on. If that's what's happening there and the child knows well enough to do that, then like, uh, <laughs> they know. And also again, I feel like this book hit super hard for me because not that my parents were having like crazy fights or anything, but like, you know, I definitely was managing expectations as a child that I had no business managing. No, same, same, hard same. Um, And like, we've talked about this before on the pod too, where it's like our parents have definitely put a lot on us that they should not have as children. I know, if they ever listen to this, um, you know, I would apologize, but like. I'm not apologizing. I've told her this to her face. (laughs) Same. Oh, same. Yeah, like me and my mom are Gucci now. We're good. 
but I'll tell you the other thing that really enticed me about this book as a child is that it really went there. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like starting off with the car explosion and then moving on to um, kind of these rides that are just a bit much, even by goosebump standards. Like, and and the sensations. Yeah. Like, tell me if you also caught on to this, but like, I couldn't tell some of the rides apart. Because, no, they were like, all their about sensations were the same. Yeah, they were all about like dying or an impending like sense drops. of doom. Yeah, which is, again, people with anxiety, like we kind of always have that impending sense of doom if we're not medicated and or therapy and or both. Um, and I just, it's really interesting to me <laughs> that like we're fine in these Goosebumps books with putting children through this, but like have somebody watch the modern day remake of Pet Cemetery, and they would lose their mind. Honestly, I mean, to be fair with that modern remake of Pet Cemetery, I like the changes they made. However. Oh, I did too. It, listen, I didn't know. Well, okay. Even knowing what the story and what was coming, I still cried mm-hmm. when the little boy walked in the middle of the road. And I know. My boyfriend was like, why do you, do you want to watch this? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just like this. I don't know. And also John Lithgow <laughs> as uh, what's his face? The neighbor? Yes. Listen. Great choices. I love that man. And I think he's such a good actor. Um, I also think that we should have Colin Firth in a horror movie. Um, I know we mentioned. So with this recording, we're recording this on the day that our Insidious episode came out. We were talking about yes. who we'd want in a horror movie. And I just feel like Colin Firth in a horror movie would be horrifying. Like, I feel like he'd nail it. And you know why he'd nail it? To bring the point back from the Insidious episode is because he's a great comedic actor as well. Like, he's got, like... Uh, Correct. Like, like he goes there. He's got that, like, inherent British, like, thing about him, that dry humor. Like, I was just rewatching Mamma Mia the other night, and I'm just like, he's so fucking funny. I can't. I love it so much. Me too. I love it so much. Me too. But no, Colin Firth in one as well, and like we said before, any of the comedic actors, so, like, Seth Rogen fucking please again I'm Seth Rogen as the dad in this could you imagine would have nailed it would have nailed it and I know we've had two Goosebumps movies recently but they have Jack Black in them and like or at least the first one does and like it's it's a lot of slapstick I don't know like for me Goosebumps was something to escape into and it also let me explore death in a healthy way as a child do you know what I mean like yeah yeah, I found that as well because it was just more like it made it more of like a uh, – it brought about the inevitability of it, i.e. Yes. going through all these uh, rides and feeling like they're going to die and all that kind of stuff. But it's also like it's just a fact of life also. Yeah. Like it, didn't, it didn't ever decrease the stakes. The stakes were there even right till the end. Well, and I think that's why Goosebumps was such a successful series is that it was a healthy way for children to explore death. And again, you and I have talked about this on and off pod, but as children who grew up just after Columbine happened, it was a healthy way for us to explore those feelings like every day going to school and wondering like, hey, are we next? And we were really honestly the first generation to have to deal with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that's kind of a heavy topic, but it's kind of the cusp of like we were allowed to have a childhood and then ish yeah ish like i mean me more so than you 
but I had a, at least had a couple of years on you. But then it's more like I never got that quote unquote high school experience. Like I right. was lucky that my high school didn't have metal detectors. But at that point, there were high schools. By the time I got to high school, which would have been early 2000s, there were metal detectors in some of the schools in like the inner city and everything. So it's like, hey, consequences to things that happened years ago. Yeah, like my brothers had metal detectors. My parents moved me to a private school. You know, like granted, it was a small town, Alabama private school. So it's nothing like what people are probably picturing. But I mean, just, you know, Columbine happened and then 9-11 happened. And I say this all the time. I'm always so interested in the shift in horror between Columbine and 9-11. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden after 9-11, we get this torture porn, you know, vibe that becomes very popular. And this is like slightly before that, literally like a handful of years before that. And it's just really interesting to me to watch children interact with horror because I feel like they handle it much better than adults. They do because I feel like they're still young enough to have that, um, how do you say, like, I'm not French. How do you say? Um, (laughs) Well, there's a plasticity (laughs) to their brain still. There is, and they're young enough to suspend their disbelief without it being disbelief at the time, if you know what I mean. Like, no, 100%. they're young enough to like. I like. I, uh, I was probably the most gullible child. I'm probably the most gullible adult. But like, no. as a child, <laughs> if you had told me like, you know, don't leave your closet door open a crack, the monster inside's gonna come out and get you, I'd be like, right. Close the close. Close the door. Close the door. <laughs> like now as an adult, it's like, don't leave the closet door open because then the ghost of the person that used to live here is probably still in It's going to float out. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to float out. Then, you know, you have a different, different vibe though. Then I'd just be like, eh, fucking get me. I'm dead inside already. Let's just deal with it. Uh, let's just get it they're, over They're attacking. Listen, I know we said this off pod before, but I feel like her last couple of movies that we've covered would not work in 2022. If only because no. so many people are so dead inside. Um, we that, hope it you would guys just are be okay. like, yeah, it would just be like, you know, that classic Shane Madey line of like, hey, demons, it's me. It's a boy. boy. <laughs> it wouldn't even be like that anymore. It would in 2022. We're all just like, yo, I left the door open on purpose. Why the fuck didn't you come through? <laughs> what's the what's the going joke right now that like uh, if it's asteroid versus whoever 2024, like <laughs> bring on the asteroid. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I just this this book specifically is the perfect snapshot of like post Columbine childhood for me because mm-hmm. it's ratcheted up intensity, which we didn't have prior to this in the Goosebumps books. Um, and on top of that, there's a I I don't know, like not a naivety, but like a a willingness to explore that I feel like a lot of kids don't get today because we have ring doorbells. We have those posts on Facebook that are like, oh my God, like this lady tried to sex traffic me at Target today, which like if you're listening to this, that's not how sex We're not trafficking. De- no, that's not right. how sex trafficking works. That's definitely not. <laughs> I mean, could you technically be sex trafficked from a Target? Sure. 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 All right. But are you likely going to be? Probably not. Probs not. <laughs> not at a Target. Not where there's security cameras. Let's be real. It would be at a park. Right. So anyways, it just cracks me up that like, so this was actually published. I just looked it up. This is actually published in February 1994, which is really interesting to me because uh-huh. Columbine was 99. But like, 
I feel like that's when Goosebumps were picking up in popularity, like 96 to 99? 96-ish, yeah. It was like 95, 96 is when it started to – Because I remember I was was seven, seven years old, seven, eight. Something Um, like that, yeah. Something like that when when it came out and it was – I was the right age. I was like the right age. Like I – I consider myself very lucky. I was the right age for Goosebumps. I was the right age for like Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Uh, or Tales from the Crypt Keeper, not the Crypt. Like I was the right age for Harry Potter, you know, like uh, at the time. You know, right. I was the right age for all of that stuff when it came out. Um, and I guess that's why it kind of like Goosebumps in particular is like holds a special place in my heart because it's like one of the rare things where it's like I didn't get into it too old because I, I still read young adult novels to this day if they're good you know or if the plot is like to my liking like for example i was way too old for the hunger games but i read them all you know like by the time twilight came out i was too old for that but i read them yeah i was but it wasn't the same that was eighth and ninth grade for me for twilight so that was like peak like i'm so glad that i did that you know what i mean but yeah, Harry Potter, he was always the same age as he was only like a two no no, he was two years older than me every time a yeah. book came out. And so it was like peak, like, all right, perfect. Like this is great. Um but it's funny to me to listen to you talk about this kind of stuff because you have such a vivid uh memory. Do you know what I mean? Of like the pop culture around this time. I do. Like I remember like Goosebumps being weekly. Like I remember um I remember it being like the the water cooler equivalent for kids to like talk about every week. <laughs> the lunch table. Like to all my Canadian kids, YTV, what up? Like, you know, the iconic, um, like Arl Stein walking to the top of the hill with his briefcase that opens up and it's just like goosebumps. And oh my God. Like we would talk about which one. And because we all read the books, like our library was stacked. Like yeah. that is one. I went to an alternative public school, uh, like an elementary school. And like, thankfully they kept it all stacked. Cause they were like, okay, what are our kids into? We're going to keep those books in our library. Cause the library wasn't that big. And we all loved goosebumps. So like she kept that, she kept that shit stacked. Love um, it. love it too. But he, but, uh, whatchamacallit, but we, it was a huge thing. Like I remember one Halloween, somebody came dressed up as one of the monsters. I can't remember what, but like which one, but between that and are you afraid of the dark? <gasps> we will eventually cover that several episodes because let me tell you, are you afraid of the dark is the reason besides goosebumps that I am how I am. Like, listen. Fucking same. Like, I would definitely want to cover. Sorry, it, that took me a second because I was just like in You're my good. feels. I was You're in good. my feels. But um, that in particular, like, I definitely know what my favorite episode is. Do you know what your favorite episode is of that one? Of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mine is the Dollhouse episode. Oh, nice. Good choice. Mine is uh, Prom Queen. Oh, well, okay. Let's save our thoughts for those actual episodes, but I do love yes. that. I do yes. love that story. But back to like the 90s zeitgeist, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was a huge, huge thing for us, like uh, us 90s kids, to like be, um, to have that discussion like literally every, I forgot what day, whatever day of the week it was on. I want to say Fridays, but that could just be my like 2022 brain. Um, I know we had TGIF on. Uh, oh, 
okay, I'm I'm young enough slash old enough. I'm old enough to remember TGIF, which we just finished rewatching all of Boy Meets World because it's on Disney Plus. <sighs> There's definitely episodes that I do not remember happening at all because I definitely wasn't allowed to watch TV like every day. But I remember TGIF. Um, and I feel like this is so cheesy. Oh, it's okay. If you guys hear a pupper in the background, it is our lovely Leo, our unofficial pod mascot. He is. He's our little anxiety bean. He's like, listen, his little tail is wagging back and forth so intense right now. Um, but yeah, I feel like speaking of anxiety, I know you and I talk about this a lot, but horror being in a way for us to rehearse that anxiety as a Mm -hmm. kid, this was absolutely a way for me to like scare myself without scaring myself. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like it scared you enough that like you didn't get over it, but you were like, okay, that's what that's supposed to feel like. Yeah. Like like that is, I can, I now identify this feeling in me and that's it. It's a rehearsal. Yeah. Which I mean, honestly, between the rides and then the end of this book, which I kind of want to delve into, it's, there's like three fake outs at the end of this book, which is so M. Night Shyamalan. Um, makes me feel like maybe he read this book as a child or at least a teenager, depending on how old he was in 1994. I'd <laughs> say he was an adult. I'd say he was in college. Really? Okay. Minimum. I like, have no idea how old are, people are. His daughters are old enough to direct things. So. Oh, Jesus. I've never felt older. <laughs> okay. Well, he is, I didn't read on, this book. Hold on. He would have definitely been an adult. He was born in 70. Jesus. I, he was 24. Oh my God. I didn't read this book until several years after it came out because I was uh, three when it came out, if that. So, in fact, his wife and I share a name. What? Uh, we should have included that on our uh, old episode. Just we'll tying it all together. It on like, we'll include it on like our village episode or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, coming to you soon. Uh, but it's really interesting to me that, you know, there are so many twists within this book. There were three, right? So the first one mm-hmm. is that we find out this is actually a TV show on horror oh, TV. Right. Yeah. First yeah. fake out. The first fake out. Then we get the, hey, you just have to make it through this obstacle course fake out, which it's not an obstacle course technically. They they call it that, but really they have to fight off like four or five monsters in this dark abandoned warehouse where there's an announcer on tv very gladiator mm-hmm. and then the last one is they almost get thrown into this toxic pond of like pink stretchy goo or purple stretchy goo yes so you know it's just really interesting to me that he was able to build the suspense but still keep it i would say g-rated i know some moments were probably intense i had some parents today that would probably not let their child read this before the age of eight but, I mean, it was it was pretty, you know, kosher for the most part. For the most part. And the thing the thing that got me the most was the ending ending. Same. <laughs> yeah. Ending, so they hijack a bus. Yeah. They hijack a bus to escape Horrorland, which is hilarious to me. Very speed. Another 90s reference. Um, they get home and they're like doing a victory dance in the lawn, which is hilarious. And there's a horror hanging on to the back of their bus to give them their free tickets for next year. Yeah, uh, I think Lizzie also goes, what do you want? What do you yeah, want? Yeah, it's a lot of really dramatic screaming, which... It was very, yeah. um, it was very, 
Jennifer Love Hewitt, a la <laughs> <laughs> I know what you did last summer. <laughs> what do you want? Uh, go back a couple episodes and listen to that, you guys. But yeah. uh, it's, I don't know, this book just captured my whole attention. And I think I'm going to give it final, you know, final rating. I mm-hmm. think I'm going to give it four and a half uh, horrors out of five. I'm going to give it about a four horrors out of five as well. Just because it's uh, it's it's really really scary for that. If you look at it from an eight year old's or a nine year old's perspective, perspective, like, yeah, it's super scary. And I mean, as an adult, we're going back for like, oh, why would you get into a coffin that just floats? Like, why would you go to a death slide? Like, but we're jaded women in our thirties. Um, correct. Very jaded. Very very jaded. But if you're looking at it from like, a, like I remember, re- I remember reading this as a kid. Same. Like I remember reading it and like loving it so much that when the episodes came out, like there were two. Um, I looked it up in in our little break there. Like there were two episodes, but like I saw. One, now I'm gonna go and watch it when we are done recording. Yeah, so much so that like I was very, I I started my like well actually guy phase back then because. I was just like, that's not right. That didn't happen. <gasps> like, that wasn't how I thought it was going to be. Listen, Hermione's we were, dress was blue. Right. Like, we were very serious about it. Like, listen, yeah. eight-year-old me was the first person to be like, hey, this is not how it happened in the book, especially with Harry Potter, Goosebumps, and Lord of the Rings. Like, <laughs> it's like that didn't happen. That is like, not how this went down. And then, like, oh, my God, especially with the Harry Potter movies, um, we would, like, I, it was almost like once the first couple movies came out and we kind of knew what they don't and do include, yeah. like, Peeves. if they cut this out, Peeves, listen, Peeves, best ghost, best poltergeist, like, the, what, you, been kept in the movies, near, you kept it nearly headless Nick and Moaning Myrtle, but you cut out Peeves, the glue okay. to the ghost community? This has nothing to do with the episode other than no. the fact that when I was- I'm sorry younger oh no no when i this is my side tangent when i was younger i thought moaning myrtle was daniel radcliffe in a wig Um, (laughs) and not like a almost 40 year old woman correct i was like why does that look like him with pigtails anyways um i would love personally to see this book remade into maybe the modern series or maybe part of the third modern movie if you guys haven't watched like the original series in a while go back and watch it it's on paramount plus and i think like a couple of other places depending on if you're in america or canada could be wrong yeah no it's it's a great it's a great thing to check out and i honestly want to go back and rewatch them all just as like a little comfort like thing like jason gif if you know the one where he's just <laughs> Wait, like, i do <laughs> i do we could all use a little comfort right now and i would i can totally picture what you're referencing and it's cracking me up <laughs> Because it would just be me. Just like, oh, I know. I might make some hot chocolate and watch this, even if it's 100 degrees outside while we record this right now. Um, oh, man. And guys, speaking of, of like comfort stuff, we've got nostalgia to the max. And for our next episode, like normally we don't tease stuff, but I'm just too excited. I'm not yes. going to tell you what it is, but like our next episode is definitely going to fit our back to school theme. But it's just so fucking good, guys. <laughs> The only the only clue I'll give you is Steve Gutenberg. Correct. Uh, <laughs> so on that note, um, yes. tell the people where they can find you, Bafna. 
where they can find me, they can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. They can find me at the Lucky Charms on both of them, except on Instagram, you have to add a little fancy little underscore at the end because mm-hmm. they just wouldn't let me be the Lucky Charms because they're bastards who now <laughs> want us to use reels instead of pictures. Nope. <laughs> to quote the great Jordan Peele. Nope. Nope. Um, but you can also find us at Bloody Broads Pod everywhere. Um, anywhere you can think of on the street, on the highway. Please do not show up at our houses. Um, not <laughs> they that don't know where, where we, we live. live. Yeah. Reach out to us, bloodybroadspod at gmail.com if you have thoughts. Also on our anchor right now, we have enabled a voicemail feature where you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, if you would like to leave us your thoughts, they might be featured on the next show. Um, also, don't forget, we do have a Patreon. We have a newsletter that goes out. We have some bonus episodes coming at you. One's released already. And there will be lots more bonus content coming soon. So, oh, yeah. And Jamie. Yes. You thought I forgot. But where can we find you? Oh, people don't care. Um, oh, they do. You're I'm, beloved. Oh, my God. I'm at Glitter Burrito on Twitter um, and at Jamie Kirsten Howard, my full name on Instagram. Uh, Yeah, would love for you guys to follow some films I have coming out on the festival circuit. Um, By the time this comes out, I'll be able to announce a couple of other things. But until then, you're just going to have to follow me and find out when stuff gets released. Thank you so much for supporting the pod, you guys. Uh, Until next time. Bye. Goodbye.